0: Yeah, so again, last week we spoke about an obligation to be in a state of awe. In a shul, uh, we discussed a debate, whether that is a biblical law or a rabbinic law. Uh, that was a debate between someone who was known as a Smak. It's a book, uh, it's an acronym for the Sefer, Mitzvos Kitanos, um, who argued that it's a biblical, biblically mandated law, um, which uh, speaks about uh, the, the respecting and being in awe of the base Hamigdash. He understands it's not limited to the base Hamigdash, it's actually a reference to all shuls. And then we had the opinion of the Ran, who said, no, uh, biblically, we are only obligated to be in awe of the, of the Beit Hamikdash, but rabbinically, the rabbis came along and they instituted that we must be in awe in a shul. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is whether it is from the Torah or whether it is rabbinically instituted, there is a law that we must be in a state of awe when we stand in a shul. And let's talk about what, so how is that awe expressed? What exactly do we need to do in a shul that is an appropriate expression of awe? That's the question and that's the the debate uh, that that we are going to be focusing on right now. So before we jump into that, let's just recognize that there are three categories of activities uh, and this will guide our following conversation. The first... Uh, which obviously does fit in a shul is what we'll call holy activities, learning Torah, like we're doing right now, davening, things of that nature. Those are certainly, obviously, are set for a shul. Th- that's category one, holy activities. Then there is category number two, what we'll call neutral activities. Neutral activities are things like eating and drinking. Is eating and drinking inherently disrespectful? No, it's a normal activity. Having a, a normal conversation, a conversation, you know, a healthy, uh, normal conversation. That is, or or going into a shul, let's say. You know it's 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 raining outside and now keep in mind shoals back in the day were a one room structure Right? They didn't have a social hall and a school and a this and a that. It was a one room building. And so back in the day, a big discussion is, hey, what if it's raining and you're walking by the shoal and you need to go somewhere to protect you from the elements, can you go into a shoal, right? So that's also, that's a neutral activity. That's category number two. And then we have category number three, uh, which are called disgraceful activities, lightheadedness. You know, to have like a straight up comedy show in a shoal, I don't know, might not, be, might not be appropriate. You know, I was just thinking of a good example um, arguable again, it's hard to know exactly what fits in this category. Uh, but I was thinking about this. Um, uh, you know, we have our vaccine clinic, and we have uh, you know, we, we we at one point they were they were promoting doing vaccines for kids, and uh, the people running it were brilliant. So what they do, they brought in balloonists, and they brought in like these uh, you know uh, what do they call those tattoos, whatever whatever the, whatever the people drawing on their hands, um, face sorry, face artists, thank you. Um, so we had some of that going on in the sanctuary itself. Uh, I don't know, you know, in retrospect, maybe I should have, maybe I should have given some guidance over there. Maybe that would be, again, is that, And nothing's wrong with it, but that might be like more, you know, lightheaded. It's a little more like, that's carnival-like, right? Is a carnival, so again, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's evil. It's great. It's wonderful. It's brilliant. But, you know, that's probably not the most appropriate, it's not like a uh, a serious type of activity, you know? Uh, so that's category number three, which is what we'll call disgraceful activities, okay? Now, the ta- the, we, we, we had a contradiction in a passage in the Talmud. I'm not going to rehash the entire contradiction. Uh, but the conclusion of that contradiction, uh, we, we came out with three different approaches to what the actual law is. Uh, the Gemara basically told us that in Babel, in Babel, Babylon, which is, which again, keep in mind, when the Gemara is written, there are, major, there are two major communities at the time. There's a community in Israel, and there's a community in Bavel. Bavel is Babylonia, that is the other center of Judaism. And so oftentimes when we say the word Babel, we mean all of the diaspora. It's not limited to Bavel per se. And the Gemara basically told us that in Bavel, a stipulation is made for their shoals. Okay? Allowing certain activities. Okay, the question is, what exactly did that Gemara mean? That you're allowed to do certain activities? The Gemara said like this, in a stipulation is made to allow certain activities, but even with this stipulation that's made, you still can't do category number three, right? So meaning, even with this stipulation that allows more activities, you still can't do disgraceful activities in ASHOL. Now the question is, what is that stipulation? What does that stipulation actually allow? So we had one approach that said, based on that stipulation, what that stipulation allows for is category two activities, okay? This is the approach of the Orzarua, and he argues, the Orzurua, one of the earlier uh, commentators, uh, Postkim, and he says that, yes, based, because of the stipulation, in shuls uh, that make a stipulation, when the stipulation is made, you are allowed to do category two activities, meaning... According to this approach, you're allowed to eat and drink in a shul. You're allowed to, uh, you know, have a serious lecture in a shul. Even if it's not Torah-oriented, those things are allowed because of this stipulation. Okay? Now, one thing we're going to have to revisit in a moment is, why is there a difference between Bavel, between outside of Israel, and Israel? If you make this stipulation, if you make this uh, Tanai saying that the sanctity of this sanctuary is going to be somewhat limited... That should work, whether you're in Israel or whether you're out of Israel. So that's something we're going to have to revisit in just a moment. Yes? Um, so in terms of eating and drinking,
1: doesn't that always mean, I mean, usually it leads to college work. Right? So how, wouldn't that be would considered?
0: It? It, it could. It doesn't necessarily mean, it, it could be. It's
1: a conversation, like lighthearted conversation, you know, like, like a kid. So is that
0: considered? Like, a so it, it, it's hard, two Two things. It's hard to define what exactly is lightheaded. I, I, I don't, I, I personally, you know, the, the way the Shulchan describes it, we'll see in a moment, is like schok, like just like more like just like joking, like just straight joking. And yeah, it's true. Eating and drinking sometimes can lend itself to that. Okay, but, but that doesn't mean it's intrinsically prohibited to eat and drink. Meaning, let's say, uh, you know, I wanted to have a cup of water over here or coffee, or you wanted to have uh, some breakfast while we learned over here, based on this approach, it'd be totally permissible right so you're right it it, it could it could there could be a slippery slope down to other activities okay We'd have to be con- conscientious of that, but at the end of the day, eating and drinking would be, would be allowed. Okay. Um, so that's approach number one that basically says this stipulation allows for eating, drinking, th- category number two activities. Uh, there's room for stringency. It'd be ideal if you avoid these things, but it'd be allowed, which again, justifies when you see a shul that transforms their sanctuary into a kiddush hall. You know, again, we are blessed. We have two rooms over here, um, more than two rooms, but but many shuls, they don't have the space. So at the end of davening, right, they'll turn their shul over. They'll have a kiddush in the room based on this. Okay, we'd have to be conscientious of the fact that, and I don't know how we are practically, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but, but, but we'd have to be conscientious of what kind of conversation are we having at the end of the day, it's a show, but there's room for that, according to this approach, with room for some stringency. Yes?
1: To, to my very limited knowledge, the um, shuls that transform that, 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 you know, are hybrids, they cover the iron kodesh in like ex- extra-special
0: Interesting. Interesting. Right. So, is there... Right. So, th- that is a practice. You know, I don't know what the source of that is. I, I did grow up at a shul where they did that as well. Uh, whenever they had anything which wasn't uh, pure service, they would cover the aron. Um, it, it's certainly a sign of respect. I don't know what the source is. It's something interesting. I have to look into that. I, I, don't, know, I don't know where that comes from. Um, I mean,
1: I, I would think that it was from this. It was from saying, okay, it's
0: not a shul for... Me. Right, but does that... I, sorry. Yes, it is clearly from this, but but does that work? <laughs> Meaning it's like, oh, I'm not looking, you know, like... the I understand. Meaning, you're making a machitza, but 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 what we're learning over here is that the room itself has a certain sanctity. That, that that's I guess where I'm struggling. Meaning, and that, that's really like the one of the, the takeaways from, from from this discussion. I think we talked about talked about this a little bit last week. You know, when when you um, you know we'll, we'll come back to that. But but a shul, it, it's the room. The room itself is sacred. You could cover the arrow all presumably all you. I think all you want, it still has a certain holiness in the room. Yes.
1: Right, right. that's, and then in Shabbos, it was, you know, the shul. But right. the week, it was preschool or the Hebrew
0: school. Interesting, interesting. So we're going to have to come, we'll come back, we'll see, There, there's a unique Hasidic um, approach to this problem, which we'll, which we'll get to in a moment, and I don't know if this is what they did in the Chabad, uh, but it, 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 we'll come back to that. We will come back to that. Uh, was there, yes? What about the opposite? Like, I was
1: thinking, last, yesterday was through to Shabbos, in base what about taking a regular room and Are you
0: going to have problems with that? It's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. But it's not a shoal. So meaning it's not problematic at all. Uh, but you lose out. Last week we spent a lot of time, to, uh, a couple of minutes, talking about the unique nature and, and power of davening in a shoal. You don't have that when you turn a classroom into But But you could do all those activities. That would not be a problem, right? Okay, um, so that's category number one. Category number two, uh, excuse me, approach number two was that of the Ramban. And the Ramban said that the stipulation allows category two activity, but only, he says, or like, for, for a real need. L'tzorech means for a need. Meaning he, he says that if I wanted to drink some water right now, it would not be allowed. But it, the example he gives is that let's say you have poor people, have nowhere else to eat, Okay, you can use the shul for that purpose, but it's not a free-for-all in the sense that you could do these activities. It's only in a time of need, and we'll have to define, we'll see today, a little bit of perhaps a broadening of what exactly a need actually means. But that's the second approach, saying the stipulation only works in a situation of need. Yes. good question. Would, would he say that that's need? I don't know. I don't know. It would have to come, it would come back to that question. What exactly is need? Um, what exactly is need? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, we'll um, it might depend on how we do, how we interpret the Ramban, which will, which will get to two different opinions in, in just a moment. Yeah. And then we have the third approach, the most stringent approach, which is the approach of Tosvos and Rambam, who say that the Tanai, this stipulation, only works not while the Shoal is standing, but it works if and when the shul is destroyed then the stipulation allows Category 2 activity in that space. In other words, Tosfos and the Rambam both hold that the stipulation does not work while the shul stands. If you're hungry, for sure not. If there are poor people in need a place to eat, go find somewhere else. Shul is not the place to do it. That's that's the, The argument is the stipulation does not work whatsoever in a shul. That's their, that's their interpretation of the Gemara, okay? And that's the fine And, and how they... How that well, We're not going to revisit the Gemara right now, but that approach seems to actually fit, in some ways, smoothest with the Gemara itself. Um, and that again, and that's their approach. Their approach is the Tznai, the stipulation, only works after the destruction of the Temple. According to this approach, stipulations do not work while the shul is standing. You cannot eat or drink in a shul. You cannot have any non-holy sacred activities in a shul. That is, that is approach number three of Tosos in the Ramam. Yes? It, it's... No, not it's, it's, it's not. It's not a davar Gdusha a is a very unique, a very specific category. Davar means you're davening, you're learning, uh, you're doing whole... It, 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 there, there's a broader term of whole, like Kedoshim Tiyah, which is a much broader term. But davar means these are, these are shul-oriented type of activities. Torah and Tzfilah. Okay, so to not mitzvah. Done. Not mitzvah. Correct. Exactly. Not mitzvah. Exactly. Yes? So sometimes,
1: on Shabbos, the kids come in here mm-hmm. and they run around. hmm
0: Yeah, uh, it could be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll have to see how we rule. But even if we rule the most permissive approach, which which doesn't allow lightheadedness, um, it could be adults also shouldn't be running around in here. Uh, but, but yeah, fine. we have to find what exactly is. Yeah, we have to find we have to correct. We have to find what exactly is too much. And, and it's a, it's a valid, you know, we have to figure out what exactly that means. We still haven't gotten to the ruling. But, but yeah, that would be something to, to keep in mind as well. Yes.
1: very wealthy, you know, it, it, historically. We're, we're very wealthy, and the fact that we can build these big shoals big rooms and stuff. You know, the Jews were always little in their space. Even when you think about during the time of Babel, the Jews back in Israel were even, I think, poorer than mm-hmm. probably the Jews in Babel. So, yeah. like, you would think, oh, because, you know, they're all Jews, so they, they can pool their resources better, but probably less. So what you're saying is you have to put all these resources into a building and then you can't use it for the thing. And you have to build another building. which And how would people expect to do
0: that? I, 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 let, let's, let's, let's reframe that for a second. Let's say you're in Yerushalayim at a time when the base of Migdash was standing. You know, would an argument be made like, hey, this is our building. We don't have a lot of resources. We're very poor, but we have a base on Migdash. Should that be the place that we would feed the poor? Right, right. Every little community Correct. its little building. Right. So I would say that that doesn't okay. need to be part of that conversation. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I just I use it as an example just because it's a place where, like, I think we'd all say, like, okay, I, I agree in terms of the resources piece, but we'd say, like, it's just, it's untouchable. Like, granted, that place is too holy. And I think, I, I think that's where they're coming from. They're coming from a place where practically this, this may be a great imposition. According to that last approach, um, but but it's under, you know the 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 when we have this discussion that a lot of the the anal- some of the analogies that are given are the biblical laws of Hectish, where you are where you sanctify and I, there there are laws where if I go ahead and I sanctify my cow that cow does not belong to me anymore it belongs to the base of and all the the relevant laws so it's it's it causes certain impracticalities one thousand percent and at the same time. This is something which is untouchable. It's just like it's it's created a reality as, as complicated and, and difficult and great of imposition as it is, it's it's just it can't be messed with. That that's we're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Just, just to respond to um Yes,
1: yes, sorry, That's Um you know, if you're if you're if you're evaluating it based on when communities were poor or they also weren't making Big kiddishes on Shabbos. In other words, the needs were different. It's one thing if you're saying to feed poor people, because then and then then it's a real you know real argument. But what but to have be. a kiddish or to uh, have a social event, it, it doesn't. I don't think it applied back then. No, I was wasn't thinking it apply about those things. things. I was thinking yeah. about communities needing to meet to have a to, to govern.
0: To right. Communal meetings, as well as looking at right, 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 I think, right. I right.
1: think they generally had other. Depending.
0: You know. I would hope. Yep. I would hope. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Thank you. Um, so, so those those are the three approaches. So practically, let's let's two, two things. So one one thing we have to address. According to the last approach, we could readily understand, or not readily, but Tosos explains to us what the difference is between Israel and Bavel. Right. This is still review. Okay. What's the difference? Tosos explained. He said again. According to this last approach. The whole stipulation only works when the base when the shoal is destroyed. It doesn't work while it's standing. And the way Tosan explained that he said that a shoal that's destroyed outside of Israel, it does not have any connection, it will not no longer have any sanctity. A shul that's destroyed in Israel it's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be a place where, of holiness. And there, when, the, when Mashiach comes, it's going to have a certain sanctity. Whereas a shul in Babel that's destroyed, a shul outside of Israel that's destroyed, it's done. We're, we're finished with that shul for all intents and purposes. And therefore, that's how he understands the difference between Babel and Israel. According to the first two approaches, why is there a distinction? Right? If you made a stipulation, if you define the parameters of the holiness of this sanctuary, why do we distinguish between outside of Israel and Israel, we shouldn't. And so the truth is, according to the first two approaches, the way they address that question, although not ex- they don't address it explicitly, but later commentators explain that they actually hold that the stipulation would work in Israel. The reason the Gemara said they, the stipulation takes place in Bavel is just stating a historical fact. It's saying in Bavel, the shoals were typically made with a stipulation. But if you choose to make a stipulation outside of Bavel, you make a stipulation in Israel, it would work as well. Right? So there's, there's really two debates going on over here. One is, what are the parameters of the stipulation? B, does the stipulation work in Israel? So the more permissive approaches would allow the stipulation to work in Israel? Okay? The more, the more stringent approach only allows the stipulation to work outside of Israel. With that, with all that in mind, now let's go focus, today we're gonna to focus on halachalam What do we do? And let me ask you a question. Before we jump in, if we had these approaches again, the rules of 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 psak, of ruling are complex and, and not always don't always follow the most clear cut rules. But typically, typically um, the Shulchan Aruch, the Jewish code of law, the Reveal of Karo and the Rama Moshe Isterlis, when to, uh, you know when the Rambam when Rambam paskins a certain way he rules a certain way. That's typically how the Shulchan Arach rules. Right? There's a whole, there's, there's like, you know, again, it would be beautiful to have like a spreadsheet over here, but, you know, you have, uh, uh, to have like a PowerPoint, but, you know, we have the Gemara, you have the commentators, all the different commentators explaining the Gemara. When you have the, Ram, the, the, the Shulchan Aruch who is basically the most, you know, fundamental source of our Jewish law, he typically, he'll see these different views, he'll typically draw upon the Rambam in terms of his ruling. Okay? Ramoshe Israelis the Ashkenazi posig, will typically draw upon Tosvo's. For his ruling. Tosvos is probably the most influential of Ashkenazi type of poskim, and therefore Moshe Issue as is the Ramah will draw upon Tosvos. So if we are left to our own devices without looking inside or thinking about, we probably should rule like the most stringent view, because Rambam and Tosvos both agree with that last approach, the stringent view, which says a stipulation only works. After the destruction of the Basemakers, which means the kiddushes that people have in Shul, the, the, you know, the lecture people have in Shul, no good, right? All those things based on this approach would not be good. So let's see how the Shulchan rules, and then let's see how some of the later uh, authorities rule. So let's look, and now we'll start the sources uh, with that. That's so a little review. Uh, let's see how the Shulchan Aruch rules. Kuf nun alef dine kedushos beisek Okay, so these are the laws of the holiness of the sanctity of a shul. All right, we're on the first page over here. So this is the Shulchan Aruch writing. Bate knessios, shuls, u midrashos, and study halls, Ain Nohagin Bahen. we're on the page where there's the English, right? Now we're the first Hebrew text under the under the English text. Um But e Kinesikos Midrashos, and Study Halls. Ain Nohagin Bahen Kalos Rosh. We don't engage in any lightheaded activities. Kigon, for example, sok like joking around, v'hitol, hitol is like more cynical type of joking around, v'sicha Vitela, and literally like empty or, you know, empty talk. Hard to know exactly how you define that. Again, a, b- a bit of a fine line between how you define s- meaningful ta- conversation and sicha vitela like empty conversation. Okay, a little hard to define, but we get the general gist. Vein, that, so, so far, that's category number three of activities. That's, those are disgraceful activities. Benny continues, v'in ochlin v'shosin behem, nor do we eat or drink of them, nor do you adorn yourself in them, nor do you walk around in them, nor do you enter into a shoal in the heat, to escape the heat, nor in the rain, to escape the rain. Who is the Shulchan Aruch ruling like? The Rambam, Tosos, the third approach, right? And the Ramah, Ramosh Yisraelist does not argue. So the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, Rule like that stringent view, which basically say, no drinks, no cake, nothing. You are not allowed to use the shul for any purpose other than to daven or to learn. Okay? That is, seems to be the approach of the Shulchan Arach. Should we stop here? No, i kidding. Okay, uh, but the truth, so, so uh, we all know that doesn't seem to be uh, the, 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 what, we, what we commonly practice. So let's see, we'll see there are different views that, uh, that, that might uh, shape our shape our understanding. But if you look at the Shulchan Arach and Ramah, doesn't seem to be, you know, that, that's just simply, you know, they, they rule stringently. Yes?
1: Does it
0: do him also? Good question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, So let's see, let's see really two, two and a half approaches over here. The first is from a book. There's a, there's an interesting book of Chaim Kanievsky, Recently passed away. Uh, his, uh, you know, he was uh, he had his paparazzi, I guess, of some sort They used to follow him along, and they'd have whatever conversation they had. People like jot it down in notes, and then sell books. It's great. Uh, so basically, fine. So, so there is a, there is a b- one of those books where it's basically have these conversations uh, where and, and you know and they, they people rule on on alacha So let's see let's see what's let's they're, they're, source number two is kind of cut off a little bit on the side, but. But it's, uh, it's the, the words that don't have an akudos anymore. That's from that, from, from uh, I forget the name of the book, but, uh, but it says like this. Vesipri li ha grach. Rav Chaim Kanievsky reported to me, Sha'aviv, his father, his father was Yaakov Kanievsky, known as the Seipler. Okay. Hitler lo lasos suda shevabrachos libito. He allowed him to make shevabrachos for his daughter. Bebesa Knesset Liederman. In the Liederminshol, what's the Liedermin Liederminshol was the the shul that uh, the Kanievsky's davened. There's actually, if you look, um, there's a little bridge. Ever see this? There's a, there's a picture of a bridge. There there's, there's not a picture. You could, you, there's Chaim Kanievsky lived in an apartment next to the Liederminshol. That's where he davened. And in order to like avoid the the masses, they 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 built a little tiny bridge. It was a scary looking thing uh, between his apartment and Liederminshol, so he could get there. After he died, you see them. They actually destroyed. Uh, they just they they broke the bridge because. There is a little, like a little walking bridge Bnei Brak, right? in Bnei Brak. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Where? I didn't hear said. Where is this? In Bnei Brak. Bnei Brak. Uh, between Chaim Kenevsky's house and, and the Liderman shul. Anyway, fine. So this is where they dove in, this was his place. This was his shul. And so he asked his father, am I allowed to make a Sheva Brachos for my daughter in the shul? This goes back to our question. Based on approach number three, what the Shulchan said, the answer should be yeah. no, right? But what did he say? He says it's allowed. Varmali mitrei time. He said for two reasons. One, Alef, de it was made on a stipulation. Okay. Beis, to to have a sudas mitzvah. That it's a sudas mitzvah. Okay, a brachos is a mitzvah of some sort, right? It's a mitzvah to have sheva brachos. Again, it's not one of the 613 mitzvos. It's uh, okay. I, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a broad understanding of a mitzvah, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sanctified, it's something, you know, Jewish, we'll call it. It's, uh, you know, Torah-oriented. I don't know exactly how to define it. Visamech mikala could be a fulfillment of, of Simchas mikala. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. that If, if that is the case, it is certainly durabanan. But presumably, it's a fulfillment of Simchas mikala. Fine. Um, and he says it's allowed. Now, what are those two? What is this idea? Sudas Mitzvah. So what? Meaning, in Torah, we saw three approaches. One was stipulation works no matter what. You could do. You could have a drink of water. You could have a, a suda, even if it's not a mitzvah. You had approach number two, study for a, for a need, and yet third that says you can't do anything in a shul. So which approach does this line up with? Yes. It Sounds like he's just broadening the concept of the first approach. The first approach. What do you mean, the first approach? The most
1: stringent. It sounds like he's he's just saying, well, if it's a if it's you know oh, for a mitzvah, then you can do it. Like.
0: But but then, okay, interesting, so I, I would have said, but then, but then the whole notion of the tenai, according to that, by first approach, I mean, uh, I, I, the way I kind of, the most stringent approach. You, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, just, just so I, so the stringent approach would seem, seemingly, not allow this at all. This would seem to be, this would seem to defy the third approach. But the third
1: approach
0: Right. Sorry. Sorry. So we have we have the most stringent approach, which said you can't do anything, any eating whatsoever, even if it's a mitzvah, even if it's for poor people, whatever. Then you're the first person to do anything. He seemingly is saying, well, it's you could not just do anything. It's also a mitzvah. Like it sounds like it sounds like he's he's yeah, it sounds like he's the, the way most interpret this is that he's taking category number two and saying, you know what a need means? A need is not limited to like. And I, I, there are poor people who need, desperately need food. What are we going to do? That's like, okay, capital and need. And then there's need, which is like, okay, a mitzvah, isn't that? You know, we have a spiritual need to do mitzvos. They are like, more so than just eating or drinking. It sounds like that's how, right? I think that, 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 that could be an intervention to say broadening litzorach, right? So it's, it's the middle approach, right? It's that approach which said the stipulation works for a need, but understanding need in a much broader sense, when it's a mitzvah, it's going to be allowed. Will that allow a kiddush? Mm, not sure, right? Sheva Brachlos is certainly a, a bris. maybe a student's bris would be, yeah. that that already is much more mitzvah-oriented. Is a kiddush a mitzvah? I'm not sure, right? That's certainly, you know, based on this statement alone, that's the problem with this book, is that it's stories. It's not like... Rules, uh, rulings of halacha, but, but, you know, based on this ruling alone, you would say things which are really much more mitzvah-oriented, or suda's uh, Bris, suda Sheva Brachos, and this would seem to fit in category number two. So we have Poskim, who seem to be ruling, with Kenevsky, or Yaakov Kenevsky, ruling like the Ramban, that middle approach, allowing for activities which are, again, because of stipulation in a situation of need, but broadening need a little bit, perhaps influenced a little bit by the more permissive approach, but not going that far, not saying, well, you made it tonight, you do whatever you want. No, 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 no. To tonight and it's a mitzvah. So again, somewhere in the middle, seemingly building it out of that second middle middle approach. Yes?
1: Yeah, I think that if somebody's asking to use the shofar of shavar then he doesn't have the money to, you know, and then there's a monic, you know. Right, how, right. Or I don't know, but, you know, but it's certainly not somebody who's welcome. Not so. necessarily. It's a spa- it could be a space issue.
0: Right, it could, it could be a comfortable, right? I mean, let, let's, use, let's use Baltimore as an example. Right, right. If there is one, right, if there is one, right. If all there are halls in <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Okay. okay, right, 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 right. So you'd have to know, right, right. So fair, right. He doesn't, he doesn't invoke that though, right? He doesn't invoke that. He says because it's a suda's t- no, mitzvah. Right, But I'm saying, but it could be because the fact that the
1: person is asking is an implication. Right.
0: It could be, it could be, it could be. All we have is the words that are written, you know, but, but I, but yes, yeah, yes, Here. This is a little tangential, but the
1: third approach,
0: the most we mm-hmm. what about having an actual chupa in the show? That's a discussion, well, we're going to, I believe that's going to be part of what we're going to discuss about, that, that, that's, a, that's a major discussion um, in and of itself for a number of reasons. Uh, there, there, there are other complications that, that arise uh, with doing so. Um, we'll, 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 hopefully we'll, re- we'll revisit that. Uh, is there a reason? reasonable.
1: Privilege
0: yes, a father. What? Can you ask the father? Okay. Yeah. I would be much more comfortable if no name. <laughs> asked Fair enough. Just as on asking the father. Y- yes and no, as my wife likes to say. Shirley, tell me what you would tell everyone else, not me. <laughs> so it could go both ways. Um, <laughs> it could go both ways. Uh, you know, there is there is privilege with status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Again, it could go both ways. It could go both ways, but, but fair. Yes? So did, I, maybe I misunderstood you, and I don't
1: understand all the words here. You, you're saying that Rav Chaim
0: asked his father if he could have... Rav Chaim asked if he could have a Shevra for his own daughter.
1: His,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, what point pointing out. There right. might, might, you know... Okay. Fair enough. Now, okay. where is this taking place? In Israel, In Israel. right? Ben Abraham. In Israel, right? So clearly, right, going back to our discussion before... Clearly, this is not in, in, in line with approach number three. Approach number three said, you know, made, was very uh, you know, definitive about the distinction between Israel and outside of Israel, right? So, we'll have to keep that, right? So, very clear that according to this approach, um, according, right? Because, and according to approach number one and two, we said, in Israel, it should work. Now, not everyone likes this. If you look at source 17, uh, this is Ramoshish Sternbuch, uh, also an uh, authority in, in Israel. Okay, and he says like this, Bizmanenu hadavar rafoi me'od. He says now in the source uh, it, it says seventeen. Uh, there's a number three that's that's cut out. Uh, but he says like this nowadays the 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 matter what's the matter, the matter of of the sanctity of sanctuaries is very uh, very weak. Ubate kinesios shenivnu shem kedusha shoals or study halls which were purchased or built for the sake of sanctity Mishtam shem people use it for everything. They even have like Yortzai meals in them. And they claim that they're relying on the stipulation. That the shoals are made with a t'nai. He says, first of all, you can't rely on this. He says, first of all, there has to be an explicit stipulation. Right? We never really got into that. But this whole notion of the stipulation, is it an implicit one? He says, no, it's explicit. He says it has to be explicit, not just at any point. Before you build it, right, what is the idea of the stipulation? The stipulation basically is a way of saying, I, there, there is a, when I build a shul and I dedicate a shul to, to the sanctity of a shul, I could create the parameters before the sanctity, the natural sanctity of a shul, so to speak, begins and is created. I could limit the parameters of that holiness, now, that's only going to be true before I build a shoal, right? I can't build a shoal. Right? There's a whole big discussion. If a person builds a shoal and then they no longer want to use the shoal, this half comes up all the time, you know, and uh, as my great, you, know, uh, you know, downtown, there's all these shoals. It's, 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 it's not so simple what you're allowed to do with those shoals, how you're allowed to sell them. It's very complicated, yeah. right? And a lot of them go to churches, right? That's even more complicated. But even to a, you know, quote-unquote neutral activity, super complicated because you don't have, you don't, you can't do whatever you want. The shul has a certain nature. And so there's a logical argument to be made that the the stipulation has to be made before you begin. You have to go ahead and say, yes, there's kedusha that is going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be found over here, manifest over here. And, but I'm going to limit that kedusha. I'm going to limit that sanctity. Now, did, did shuls make those stipulations? Probably not. You know, it's interesting. Rabbi Moshe is. He ra- he he's, he's known to be a big, you know, Haredi rabbi in, in also in B'nei Brak, uh, but he lived before in Johannesburg in South, in South Africa. And in his shoal in South Africa, uh, before they built the shoal, they actually wrote up the limitations of the sanctity of that shoal. Uh, they built a nice big shoal. Unfortunately... That shoal is a church now. The, the area turned, uh, but basically, um, it, it was uh, basically they 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 wrote it up. I don't know, you know, they wrote up exactly what they're doing. They kind of read it as the shoal was. Uh was being uh, established that it's, it's uh, primarily going to be used for tefillah, but, but added all the stipulations of, of its activity for other things. But he's arguing if, you, if, it's, if it's an implicit stipulation, no way, right? Um, and he says, Adayin, let's go to something that jumps the next line Adayin kamim asu He says, even if they made a stipulation, Lomo la elak shiesh He says, still. A stipulation only helps when you have a great need. But a meal like Sheva Brachos, ain't shum tzorech lesadar vesam He says, there is no need to have it in a base medrash. You don't need to do so. Okay, the next line gets cut, cut off, but he says exactly like, like you were pointing out before. Uh, you know, he says, there are ulamot, there are holes that you could rent. And you could also, he says, in the next line, a base prati," you could have a Sheva brachos in a private house. You don't need to have the extravagant four hundred person Sheva brachos. Go make a Sheva brachos in someone's home. You don't need the shul. You can't call it a tzorech Gadal. Okay, lanu Why are we going ahead and uh, and 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 desecrating the holiness of the shul? prat especially. And this goes to your point before. Shiyadu hashem yoshvim umishuchachim ad misuchachim once they're sitting down we know where conversations go this is what Ali was pointing out before Uh, they're not going to really you know are they going to sit around and say DeVray Torah and talk about the important things in the world it's probably going to veer that's normal that's healthy that's normal but in a show it's disrespectful we shouldn't be doing so so basically if Sternbach says he says okay I agree it's now works two things one it has to be done explicitly b tzorech means tzorech and need means a need this broadened understanding of a need like we saw from uh the kanievskis he says no no such thing no such thing a need means a need and therefore he's willing to accept even though again the shulchan said we go with ruling of the most stringent this opinion also allows for that more lenient middle ground like the ramban who says the stipulation works. But still, he says it's only when there's a need, if there are poor people. So going to your example before, if there was someone who truly had no other option, okay, maybe that would be allowed. But just to say, well, we have a shul, I want to use it for a shol, convenience, <laughs> no way. Go find somewhere else where it's convenient, right? Uh, that would not be allowed, right? So basically, these two approaches, they're both, even though the sholchanarach and ramah rule like the most stringent view, who said the stipulation does not work at all. These two opinions are acknowledging, are accepting, and adopting. The second middle approach, saying a stipulation works, they're arguing about the extent of, the, of, the, of what need means. One view takes a more literal understanding of what need means. The other takes a much more expansive view. All that in mind, let's now go to... Um, oh, no. I can't believe it. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't cut something else. Okay, my bad. There is a fam. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to say this out, uh, just to say this orally. I apologize because it's such a fascinating piece. Ramosha Feinstein, okay, you have to trust, trust me on this one, I guess, but, but he, it, it's a fascinating tshuva. He, he writes like this. Ramosha Feinstein uh, has a tshuva where he begins by stating, he says, you know, you look around and uh, people are eating and drinking in shul. People are making kiddushes in shul. He says, not only that, people, uh, yordzites, people are coming in and they're having l'chayims and uh, whatever, you know, uh, after shul, and, and and this is normal practice. He says, and, and yet we have these, these posts, you know, and yet, shulchan Aruch, Ramah, like, how do you reconcile? So he says, he says like this, and this is just a fascinating, you know, if you were doing a thesis... On how halacha develops and how, you know, this would be, don't, you'd have to incorporate this source. So I really apologize for not including it because to me it's a fascinating source. He says, Elamai, it must be, it must be that we rule like the Zarua." He says, everyone is eating in shul, everyone's drinking in shul, everyone's making kiddushes in shul, even though I don't really know, you know, it doesn't, historically, he says, I'm not sure if this was always the case. I'm not sure. But clearly it's the case now. So it must be that we've, you know, that, the, the, that although our, our tradition was one way, it changed. It changed. Or the halakha changed. The halakha g- goes along the lines of what people are practicing. And therefore, he says, we rule like source number one, the, the most lenient view, the Orzeruah, who said the stipulation works, that you could eat, you could drink. All those things clearly are accepta- acceptable. And clearly everyone's relying on that view. And that's okay. Right? It's, and again, you have press. I just want to be clear, you have precedent of, the, of such thinking in the Gemara itself. You know, the Gemara invokes a principle of uh, mina Yisrael. You know, there's a couple of places in the Gemara where it says, oh, we don't know what to do. And there's a, it's very poetic. The Gemara says, go outside and see what everyone's doing. Why? Because uh, it says, the Jewish people, if they're not prophets, at least the children are prophets. In other words, which, which, okay, it, it's, it's a poetic statement, uh, but basically saying that, that mina Yisrael, if there's common practice we accept that. We accept that. Now, again, keep in mind over here. It's not going against, you know, there, there's, there's, there's what to rely upon. It's not like saying something against all precedents. But Reh Feinstein is saying probably historically in Shul's, and that, again, before, let's say, the development of the Hasidic movement, or, you know, it was a big deal, by the way. That was part of the pushback when Hasidim came along. There's no shortage of, of pushback. Uh, but one of the issues was that they were making kiddishes. They were having, like, these, like, very, you know, you know big kiddushes in shul and that was unacceptable to, to, to many in, in, in the European world right so um, Ramosha you know Ramosha Fiennes is saying historically probably people didn't eat in shul okay but he's saying but at the end of the day clearly everyone is doing so so we rely on the ors of rope that's it that, that is the accepted norm and he says and you can rely on that. there's no problem relying on that view yes so I can think of examples
1: where other instances of halafa would just be considered a, a lapse and people try to strengthen the halacha as opposed to saying
0: right. it's okay because they're right. right so I don't know
1: why why is this even things that maybe there could be like one opinion of halacha where it's okay but it's considered oh no we all have to mm-hmm. be strong so so
0: why in this instance would you say that it's not instead of calling it a lap, it says I'm calling the lap because I must be right so so two things again I, I I one thing is that it's not like it's a lapse and it's not like there is no view that could be relied upon mm-hmm. meaning we do have the orzarua. And Rashi, who actually, you know, we didn't go through all the sources, but there are a couple of sources that that go along those lines. So it's not like everyone's doing something which is blatantly wrong according to all views, and now let's find a justification. It's not we're not going that far, right? So there he's justifying within a realm of, you know. And then fine. So that's that's the number one. And then number two is how do you draw that line? It's a good question. And it's it's hard to know exactly which and when you know Postkim sometimes take different approaches. Usually, that is somewhat, uh, I, I imagine. You know, some of that is is somewhat. Uh, you know, sometimes there are broader issues at stake that there's sometimes a need that they they may feel a need like this is something we should be fighting. And sometimes it's not. You know, but but you also have different uh, trends within different postkim who some of them who are much more aligned with Minag Yisrael. You know, and they say, okay, this is the Minag. We're going to go with it. Or Moshe doesn't isn't necessarily like that. Usually, you find that more with postkim who are you know usually. She'll, you know, involved in like more the communal, communal detail, detail, um, uh, but but, yeah. So I, I, giving options. I don't know. I don't know what why and how. But again, I want to be clear. He's not saying something which is against all earlier opinions. He's going within within the you know within one opinion. Yes. So,
1: but would he say? that, that you still, there still has to be an explicit tonight.
0: Ah, good. He doesn't w- weigh in on that. Let's now look at, look at source 19 over here, or source number for the scribbled four um, on the side. And this is Halicha Shlomo. This is from of Shlomo Zaman Orbach. He says like this. Hamikilim Those who are lenient when it comes to eating and drinking, or for, you know, mundane talk, which is of need. Okay, he's basically a differentiating between, you know, which is just like shooting the breeze and more substantial type of conversation. Even in shoals in Israel, they have what to rely upon. If it's possible, it is ideal to be strict. Now let's look at the footnote, Aleph, And it is the custom in many shoals, to have sweets, um, and to uh, drink intoxicating items, uh when the chassin uh, goes up, gets an aliyah, what we call an afruf, right? They have, they'll have like they'll have candy and they'll have lakhayams, or other meals which are not mitzvahs. The Af Gam Hamishna Bura Herapanim Lahakel Bzev. The Mishna Bura had some leniency here. I'm Bzev Ber Halachas. Some Kufn of At Nun Aleph. Ah uh, Shemol Tanai Af Eretz Israel Gam Where the Tanai, the stipulation works even in Israel. And then let's skip the brackets, uh, the parentheses. Ule Inyan Beisak When it comes to Shul Somchin Gam Alkach, we rely on the following. De Kivan Shirabim Regila Bkach. Since many. Are accustomed to this. Even though they didn't make a t'nai, hisnu. Since it's as if they made a t'nai. Meaning, he's saying, since it's normal practice. Once it becomes normal practice, it's an implicit stipulation. Meaning, once you could assume, once it becomes so normal that this is done. Right. So so therefore, we could assume that that was the implicit in, implica- you know, implicit intention of any show that's built. I have no doubt that when they built this sanctuary, they intended it for a place to be for lectures and for, you know, important educational films. I don't have a doubt in my mind. I, I doubt they said it out loud. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't doubt. I just don't know. But I have no doubt in my mind that that was the intention. Rashul Shlomo Zalman Rabbi saying, since it's become so normal for shuls to have kiddushes in their shul and to have candies in their shul and to have eating and drinking, this t'nai does not have to be said out loud, like Rav Moshe Sternbach said. Rav Moshe said, you have to make the talent. Rav Shlomo Zalman said, no, the t'nai is implicit, right? And what is the t'nai? Like Rav Moshe, he says the Tznai allows for all neutral activities. They're ruling like the most lenient of views, right? So today, so far, what we've seen is we've seen the Shulchan Arche and Ramah hold, like, the most stringent view, Tosvos and the Rambam. We have Moshe Sternbacher of Chaim Kenievsky and Ryach of Kenevsky holding, like, the, the middle ground, saying that the Tanai works, but only in times of need. It doesn't mean capital need and need, or does it mean any mitzvah, but maybe not Kiddush. And then we have what we would argue is the probably the most influential authorities in the twenty twentieth century, both in Israel and in America, Ramosha Feinstein of Shlomo Zalman Orbach, both ruling permissively, saying that we rule, we we have what to rely upon. For the view, the most lenient view, the view of the orzarua, and therefore allowing a person to do all neutral activities. Again, you're not allowed to just, you know, I, I would, you know, we, I, I try as best as possible. You know, we shouldn't have a, a comedy show in the shul. That would probably be, again, assume, you know, even clean comedy, no, probably be more appropriate outside. A, a video, you know, you'd have to make sure it's appropriate if it's in a, you know, whatever. You know, there, there's still, there are there are limitations when you're sitting around in shul. It shouldn't be, you know, it, it's it's one, you know, not something about during davening, which we'll get to, but if you're sitting in shul, you're waiting for davening, it it's okay to talk, but it probably shouldn't be like, I don't know, like uh, talking about the ball game. I don't know. I'm not sure if that, 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 that's justifiable in a sanctuary. You know, it's probably, it's probably, probably not, you know, it, and that might be more along the lines of Sikh of I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. It's important, uh, you know, to, to have things that, that, that let you unwind. It, it might not be the most elevated type of conversation. You'd have to try to have a little bit more meaningful conversation. Again, how do you draw the line? I, I'm not weighing in. I don't know. I don't know exactly how you draw the line, but we'd have to use our seichel, our, 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 our intuition and our wisdom, to, to recognize that a shul, our conversations need to be different, even according to the more permissive, most permissive views. Yes. Right. That's not exactly important Talk, you know, it's kind of Right. But right. Theoretically, if was on the same page and you weren't insulting people, would that wait till Theore- <laughs> a I, I like the caveat. Um, you know, if theoretically if ever look, he says meaning regardless of of certainly it would be ideal. You know, it would be ideal to 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 do that in general. You know, I'm not sure if someone... you know, like you said, if someone turns to you and asks you how you're doing, I would certainly respond regardless. Um you know I, I know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to categorize that. that to, to me, I don't see that as, as betela. I don't think. You really genuinely care about how someone's doing, checking in with them. I, I, don't, I don't think that's shichah betela. It's Sicha schulen, right, well, which, which is better, right? It's even schulen the Torah. So even, even the, I mean, the Torah has an
1: interesting... Okay, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is, like, throwing candy for a bar mitzvah or, like, a lot of what we
0: do on the Torah. Right. Which you could argue is sometimes the Torah, but it's a bit of stretch and it's fun. everyone enjoys right. it right 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 do you think it should be done in a is, knowing these halachos, it seems a bit um, right right into the tifa, like the, the like, yeah yeah it's it's hard so you know the again you know click yeah are you, you argue, even according to or this may be questionable it's it's I you know the argument is that it's it's meant for the torah mm. you have to be you have to be intellectually honest and figure out what what is and what is not allowed i i yeah the I don't know if this is the reason, but we, we do our, our celebration part outside. Uh, I don't think that's the reason. It's probably just more convenient to dance, but, uh, but uh, it does help. Uh, yes. So you're going to have this more on the women's side than the
1: men's side, but you, made, you talked about if you're concerned about somebody, you ask how they're doing. the women's
0: side, you don't see someone for a long time hug you. Mm-hmm. Here, isn't there So. A thing about not hugging a soul? Right. There, 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 there is an idea of not showing like over you know of not showing too much fondness in a shul. Um, again, as a reflection of that awe, um, kissing is specifically mentioned. I don't believe hugging is mentioned. Um, yeah, a person should ideally avoid that. There is some discussion about place where like it becomes more, like I grew up in Montreal. You don't shake someone's, you shake someone's hand and you kiss them on both cheeks. Like, right. it's, it's so, some of it is subjective. I, I, you know, it's hard, hard to know exactly to apply, but, but really a kiss should, should not be given in shul, it's hard to, you know, children or whatever, you see a child even your own, your own child whatever it is, but it really, uh, bad sorry, yeah. I, I believe the post game, I believe what is brought down, the show, uh, I believe what's brought down is, is specifically kissing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. I want to conclude with a fascinating, a fascinating approach. Um, and this is something that Pisgah Tshuvas mentions. Uh, look at source uh, number 5 or source number 20. He says like this. V'nei. Kivan shall pistimas ma Since according to the Shulchan and the Maginavram, mo'el t'nai af kinesios um beteh ala acher korban. Right? We saw the most stringent view and the view which is of the Shulchan Arach, which is, you know, important. This t'nai does not work in a shul until, and if and when a shul is destroyed and even according to the more permissive views which allow the Tznai to work while they're still around right, we saw, you know the more permissive views, not all and we saw some really permissive views but we saw, you know uh, the, the, some permissive views which allow things only when it's a real need and there are righteous people who are concerned that people are going to take advantage and misuse, they'll abuse the sanctity of a shul. So, what do they do? Therefore, when a shul was consecrated, what would they do? They would say, This is not a shul, rather, it's a house of gathering for sages and for the people, for Torah. For tefila, uli khal yachad, and to gather together, v'lismoach be'ahava be'chol hamitzdarich, and to to get together joyfully for all needs, lasimchas mitzvah, v'gam lishdamish bar litzurche aorchem, and to, for any need for 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 visitors, bechomashit litzurch whatever they need, v'le yacholav kedushas peisagnesus, and the sanctity of a shul doesn't exist. Vitzadikim elu. Next paragraph. Next. Uh, yeah. Next paragraph. Elu sheimastim and these righteous people, when they would make these tenais, how <laughs> lo they would not call it a shul. ella Right? You ever wonder why Hasidish places are not called Besa Knessas, Besa Medrish, and called Stibel or Klaiz, right? What, what, is a, what does a stebel mean by the way? So I think it actually comes with the word the, the oven. I think, right? I think it comes to stub. I think it comes from the oven, right? This is the the uh, what do they call what's the old word for oven? What's the English word? There's uh, the Sorry? I don't know. What uh, English word? There's an English word for the the, the hearth. The hearth, right? that right? The, hearth, hearth. Thank you. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, right then the ta- uh, what's the name of uh, Hawthorne. Wrote a beautiful like a little essay when when the electric oven, stove came out, he felt like it was the end of of people gathering together. It's like a very beautiful piece, uh, like could be replicated when TV came out and when the internet came out. Basically, he talked about like the dissolution of you know people would gather together. That, that it was it was where everyone gathered together. It was where everyone you know celebrate you know basically families would sit and knit together and schmooze together because that's what they had to be. They were forced. So it was built around the the, the oven right. It was built around the, the fireplace. So this was the I think I think that's where the stube anyway the Stiebel stube right and basically the klois, it's the house. It's basically, it's a gathering place. It is not a shul. And the re- the, it wasn't just that that became a nickname. This was done deliberately. This was done deliberately. They called this the shtibel, this is the klois. Why? Because they want to make sure, it's not because they, 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 underst- they, they were of the opinion that you cannot make a tanai on a shul. And even if you do, it's not going to allow all types of activities. And therefore, we have to call it something else. It's a shtibel, it's a klois. It's not a base high We We daven here, we learn here, we also celebrate over here. Okay, that's their way around it. But let's see what he says. Okay, ulam. Um, however, let's go jump to the next paragraph. Al Hagazos about this, uh, about this, uh, about this approach. and Loma, we say a Okay, he's fine. Uh, he says like this. By the underline, lav First of all, it's not a rule. First of all, did all the people who contributed understand that? Okay, question. First of all, the people contributing think they're building a shoal. Now they know they're building a house, right? Is that allowed, right? Uh, you know, it might be deceptive. They're not fulfilling the mitzvah of making a sanctuary and I apologize, again, I'm sorry, I, I, I was a little tired when I, when I made these notes today, uh, but he continues to say that when they go ahead and daven there, there's also, the, the most fundamental thing is missing. What's that? A basic nessus Kedusha. If, if there are, Tanai is effective, if the stipulation is effective, saying, not Tanai, it's a house. Basically, when you daven in a house, it's nice, and God hears you, but at the end of the day, you lose out. There's something, right? If you recall last week, in a place of a shoal, there's something unique about a base knesset that cannot be replicated anywhere else. So at the end of the day, you know, you know and, and when we think about this, you know, it's, it's so, you know, they gain something, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a trade-off. They gain something because they don't desecrate the sanctity of a base knesset, but at the same time, they're losing out. They're losing out because they're never davening in a base kinesis. You know, people, you know, uh, you know it's a beautiful, you know, our, our community expo- expands and explodes. You know, and I'm the last person, I'm a little biased. I want to. you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about, you know, a house yet. I wouldn't be very appropriate uh, as, as someone. But, but we have a special opportunity, you know, in a, people who daven in a base kinesis, in a place which is truly designated for a shul, it, it's different. It is qualitatively different. Whether it feel, you know, however we feel, it might feel better sometimes. I don't know. I like small spaces. Yeah, I always joke. I, I love to make a breakaway from my, I make Tumid near tumid breakaway. I call it the Nertumid breakaway in my house. I would love to dive in like a tiny compact, like put a hundred chairs into my dining room. I would love that, right? There's something about dominating a house where it's tight and it's compact and you feel like there's a certain energy. Okay, maybe me. Okay, uh, <laughs> fine. Uh, but the point is that like there's something, there's an energy that at the end of the day, it's not a basic nessus. It doesn't have the sanctity of a shul and it's lost, right? So as, 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 so again, again, there's a sensitivity. It's coming from a good place. They want to be um, you know, um, sensitive to the, to the sacredness of a shul and they don't want to infringe upon it and, and puncture it. Uh, you know, but at the same time, at the same time, they lose out by not dominating a basic nessus. So this is the, the last approach, which has its pros. It's sensitive. The con is that you lose out in dominating a basic nessus. Okay, but let, let's quickly summarize and we will take, take some questions. So again, we saw a bunch of different opinions in the Rishonim, in the medieval commentators, the way it comes out, Halacha lamay, so we have the Shulchanach and Ramah, who rule most stringently, saying that T'nai does not work at all, but clearly modern ruling doesn't seem to line up with this. We have some who take the middle ground approach, saying that a Tanai works while the Shul is standing. Um, someone broaden that to all mitzvot, Sheva Brachlos, things of that nature wouldn't necessarily include a kiddush, but anything which is mitzvah-oriented. Others say, no, it has to be an absolute need. And then we have a Shlomo Zaman under Moshe Feinstein ruling most leniently, like the like Rashi, saying, no, the Tanai is implicit, at least that's where Shulma Zaman says it. You don't have to actually verbalize it. It's understood. Shuls are meant for mutual activities that still does not allow for us to do anything we want. We should be conscientious of the conversations we're having in Shul. We should be conscientious of how we act in a Shul. There still is a level of sacredness and awe that has to be experienced in a Shul. And then we have the last approach, which says, don't even call it a base nessas, but the reason I bring it up is not for the sake of, of, of that, but more the last point, which is we have to recognize how, how we have an opportunity. You know, there's something different about davening in a Shul that doesn't exist dalvining outside of a whether we touch it or feel it and, and experience it, you know, really uh, ten- uh, tangibly, we have to recognize that there is something unique and special about a base kinesis, which cannot be replicated, even the most beautiful shtibel, um, there's something about a base kinesis. Yes.